Welcome to The Witcher Lorecast, the show that explores the vast lore behind The Witcher games, show, and books. Witchers! Welcome to The Witcher Lorecast. This is the show where we cover all the different things, characters, details, monsters, and also locations from The Witcher books and video game and show. Today we're talking about Tamaria. Toasty is slowly falling out of his camera view. Toasty, what's up, dude? How you doing? I don't know why I did that. <laughs> Toasty's in a silly mood. I'm not no. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Just hungry. Oh, okay. This is what this is what hungry looks like. Uh um, hey. Um, this is fun. We're doing it a little bit earlier today on Monday. And uh, just to let people know, future episodes of this will be pre-recorded because Toasty has a big opportunity to make all the money in the world. And um, so we're going to have to pre-record some episodes this week. So you may not get to be able to join us for the live shows over the next few weeks, but they're still going to go up on the regular platforms and uh, places at the regular times. So just want to let you guys know about that. But today we're talking about Tamaria, the kingdom of Tamaria. Toasty, where do we start? Uh, so Tamaria is one of the northern kingdoms, uh, like most of them, uh, lying south of the Pontar River. Its neighbors are Redania, Karak, Kaidwin, Adern, Mahakam, Alor Sodden, and Sidaris. So just surrounded by everybody. It's just in the middle. It's just the middle of everybody. Uh, it is a hereditary monarchy. <clears throat> um kingdom the t and it's ruled by the Tamarian monarchy uh its head of state is the monarch who leads it or in case of like a monarch dying during their their reign or without a i guess without a proper heir um you get the enterix uh, Enterix is the title of a short-term regent in Tamaria, reigning after an unexpected death of a monarch until his successor is chosen. Enterix. So Enterix. It's like an like interim, right. I guess, Enterix, because it sounds cool. Well, Rex <laughs> is sometimes used to mean, like, king. Like, uh, oh, okay. I think there's, like, a Latin root in there somewhere. Uh, so, like, okay. the, inter in the interregnum king is basically what that means. Um, that's cool. I've never heard that phrase before. Yeah. Uh, the head of the government is the Tamarian Royal Council. Um, the commander in chief is the Lord Constable of Tamaria. Uh, and of course, it has the Tamarian Army military branch uh, and it has its own intelligence service, the Tamaria's Intelligence Service. TIS. TIS. It's like the so, FBI or the CIA, but it's the TIS. You know, I was like, wouldn't it be more like the CIA? Yeah, well, yeah, more like the CIA. But yeah, uh, that's that's mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, that that does come up. Um, they they are mentioned. Mm -hmm. Definitely a thing. Um, I think we. No, I was trying to think of something. Uh, I guess the other because uh, what the only other place I remember was it the Kaidwin. I think Kaidwin had an intelligence service because didn't they pick up on like the Banard dropouts and they were like, hey. Mm -hmm. Come mm -hmm. here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah. see, like, I, don't, I guess these these two locations for, for whatever need. Um, capital is Fitsima. Uh, the official language is the common speech, so similar to a lot of other places. Um, the demonym of Tamarian or lilies for an informal and 
uh, I think, generally derogatory uh, way of referring to Temerians. Like when uh, somebody calls somebody a snowflake? Like, ah, oh, you're a lily. Yeah, yeah like that. something like that. I think it's yeah, generally. That's kind of the vibe I got off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the currency is the Orin, or in Gorsvalin, uh, the Noble Groat and Mark. Groat. Groat. <laughs> yeah. Um, you got any groats on you? It's three groats to enter. You're not getting past me without giving me at least three groats. Can you? That's weird. That sounds weird. It sounds inappropriate. It totally does. Like three marks. Okay, cool. Three nobles. Eh, that sounds weird, but like, okay, maybe that's type of money because it has a noble on the picture, right? Like the, the head of a important person. But yeah. a, a groat sounds like something you do to somebody when it's probably not pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds, yeah, that sounds highly inappropriate. Uh, and the religion, uh, quite a lot here. Uh, Melitola Asculip. Pius, Asclepius, sure. Uh, Lovani, Lady of the Lake, and Water Lords mm-hmm. worship a lot. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, Lilvani? Do you think Lil Lilies? Lilvani? Do you think there's a connection there? Yeah. To- the toast is <laughs> just, like dying, dying right now. I think you you pissed you pissed off the lady of the lake and she's now drowning you with the water in you. Either that or a, a school of P- I mispronounce uh, that and they don't like it. Yeah. Whatever that is, yeah. that was rough. I don't know why. The gods are real. I am like respect them. I'm like slightly sick, but I wasn't expecting that. Um. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to uh, the society of Tamaria. Uh, Tamarians are considered very polite and religious, um, but like so many other kingdoms, so many other kingdoms, uh, do not fully accept representatives of the so-called elder races. So-called elder races. The so-called. It's like they're even, even like gaslighting their history. Like, uh, you, <laughs> so you're the so-called elder races, or at least that's what you believe yeah it sounds i mean like uh, obviously I, I don't i'm not throwing shade specifically but just like how like kind of uh like the different views of like religious or whatever like how uh i know like a certain like really like diehard like christian people believe that like the world was only like this old six thousand years old yes that is yeah there are, there so, are way too many people who have this weird strange non-scientifically confirmable belief yeah. Uh, so yeah. like kind of those people like oh yeah the so-called dinosaurs you talk about right because right. those existed right right <laughs> uh in general tamaria's residents have a tendency for xenophobia despite non-humans living in their society man yeah if hey. only this was not like literally everyone else <laughs> yeah it's this is basically all the humans on the continent so basically not not a surprise uh-huh uh as for culture uh mo- big focus on religion obviously with the many different uh gods that they worship the most popular and most widespread religion in the kingdom is the worship of the goddess melithola uh or Meliteli, depending on how you want to pronounce it the <laughs> cults of the prophet lebiota and creve also have their followers on Sal- savoin uh children burn figurines of falca to represent her defeated rebellion <clears throat> so traditions 
traditions, mm-hmm. lots of different traditions. It seems like lots of different types of worship. I was just like, you're trying to remember. I'm not, I think Savoyan is like another name for like Sam Hain or like the, the, Oh, hollow, uh, the hall, the pagan Halloween pagan holiday mm-hmm. that happens on the same day as Halloween. If I'm interested, cause I think, us. I think one of my, uh, a friend of mine from Scotland was referring. I think they said that the other day because they actually celebrate this holiday, huh. not Scotland or, in particular, but this person in particular, as far as I know. Right. Yeah. If, if a quick Google search shows mostly Witcher stuff, but I wonder if it's a variation on the same sounding word that's just spelled differently. Yeah. Well, cause I know in the Witcher books, they do celebrate pagan holidays because there is specifically a story where Geralt meets up with Yennefer on Beltane. Mm. So, mm-hmm. and that is a pagan holiday that I'm familiar with. Um, so, uh, mm. as for economy and trade, uh, Tamaria is one of the wealthiest realms of the North. The Tamarian economy is based on cultivating the production of various goods, trade, and extracting valuable mineral resources from the mountains of Mahakam. The Tamarian Orin is one of the most used currencies in the world. Tamaria also remains a land with highly developed agriculture, animal husbandry, and food industry. As Mahakam is officially part of the kingdom, Tamaria has considerable interest in the extraction of precious metals and the production of high-quality weapons. So, unlike what we saw with some of the other locations we talked about recently, where they are really strong in like one type of one type of thing, agriculture mm-hmm. or mining or whatever. And right. then they have like limitations. And so they're like, well, the neighbor's land over here has all the grain land we need. So we're just going to keep taking that back and forth. Uh, Tamaria is a little bit more self-sustainable in, in pretty much every way. Uh, agriculture, yeah. industry, all of that. Because they, they do pull, I mean, with them being this close, the in like the, as far as like the mining and like weapon industry, obviously gets an uplift as we know, like, <clears throat> uh rivia was kind of like uh a bit bigger on that kind of stuff because of their like uh relation to mahakam but then it's also this is one of the most southern locations we've discussed and like we know because like i think tucson is like directly like southeast of them um and we know how like prosperous they are as far as like agricultural stuff goes and whatnot mm-hmm. it's so much more temperate get kind of yeah. the and then with the location to the uh yoruga river and they have like obviously that source of like fresh water to you know source proper and irrigation and travel stuff. and so trade and, yeah their location is just very like optimal for kind of like creating this and then of course yeah with trade with the seven different locations that surround like the seven different other countries that surround them so yeah they're kind of like just perfect spot for all of this right <clears throat> also a, a key target then like that's the the other drawback from that is you're in the middle now you're also a target for anybody who wants to try to so thus you would need something like special forces in order to make sure that spies and things are out there you know yeah putting that, down i'm sure i'm sure them being a target for any outside invaders isn't going to come up at all right no not at all everything's always peaceful exactly uh (laughs) so uh moving on uh in the kingdom of tamaria's 
former coat of arms. So we're talking about their, their national emblem at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did put a picture for you to use. Um, uh, there was a lion passant, but the Temerian royal dukes used a different one containing three lilies. Since in heraldic symbolism, the lily flower is a sign of the successor to the throne, the royal son, the heir to the throne and scepter. And when when Prince Goidemar, the son of old King Gardic, went to fight against the insurgents of the she-devil Falca, the Temerian army, under his standard, under the emblem of the lily, fought and won decisive victories. And when Goidemar inherited the throne from his father, he established three lilies argent on a field sable as the kingdom's coat of arms, as a memento of those victories, and for the miraculous escape of his wife and children, from the hands of the enemy and later king cedric changed the state coat of arms by a special degree so that it's a black shield aspersed with silver lilies and the temerian coat of arms has been like that ever since uh words from yara uh from the lady of the lake yeah uh, so i'm yara sure being like the malitala i think uh that <laughs> little boy that's in service to like uh in the temple of malitala that siri kind of learns from for a bit right right yeah, I have it up on the screen. You can see the like the coat of arms and the the yellow background behind the it's like a black lion. It's and a the, lion passant. Yeah. And uh and then you have the the lilies added onto that and then just the coat with the lilies and then just a flag with the lion and the black and then just a flag with with the lilies. You can see how it, it changes over time, which is cool. It's yeah. a cool kind of aspect to this, you know. Because and we know like it's still the same thing like Witcher even up to Witcher three because like in the beginning they they have like the the shield with like the Tamarian lilies on it and then that one lady's like hey you should probably take that down before you get in trouble with the the Nilf Guardians yeah <clears throat> yeah so. now that's cool because this is uh, this happens in the real world with different kingdoms and the way the kingdoms are conquered by other places or different rulers come to power and and whatever and so the the standards change. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Well, tell you what, why don't we take a quick break here in the middle? We're going to thank our patrons. We've got a new patron to welcome on board. And uh, and then we'll be right back with some more history of Tamaria. So don't go anywhere. Very well. Let us get this over with. Something has infested my vineyard. Mm-hmm. Great. Let me go prepare my something oil then. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. Welcome to John, our newest patron. Thank you for for joining. And John actually sent us a message about, hey, where can I send in my uh, my my audio to you? And uh, Tosi and I had to think about it for a minute. We're like, wait a minute, is that a thing we do? And sure enough, when we set up the Patreon a while ago, if you sign up as a tier three patron, then you can send us an audio clip and we'll add it into the episode if you have something you want to chime in we'll put it at the end of a future episode so john feel free to send us up to five minutes just a link to an mp3 or whatever we can download and input into a future episode and uh share your thoughts on some things we'd we'd love to have you do that and those of you who are already patrons at tier three or if you'd like to sign up at that level in order to do the same thing you're welcome to do that also we have to shout out our higher vampires ben of tamaria and jared m thank you so much for your support and all 20 of our patrons you guys are awesome thank you for joining us um if you are interested in any of the stuff i just talked about 
or getting t-shirts or all sorts of other goodies, go to patreon.com slash witcherlorecast and check out all the different things you can get. Also, if you'd like to help us out in other ways, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it out on a future episode of the show if you give us a five-star review. And uh, ratings on Spotify are also helpful as well. So that's what we got for the middle of the show. Thanks again for joining us, John. And thanks again to all of our patrons and supporters. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show. You smell of death and destiny, heroics and heartbreak. It's onion. Right, yeah. All right, so I have a feeling we're going back in time. Back to the origins of what would become the land of Temeria. How far back yes. are we going? Uh, we're going back to... to uh, why did I just forgot her name? I literally was looking at the name and then looked at you, forgot the <laughs> name. That's so bad. I'm just that charming. Actually, I just yeah, erase your mind from other people. Surprisingly, going back to Laura Doran. Laura Doran. We've talked about her a lot. Uh, but not for very long. So before Laura Doran died in solitude, um, and this is an entry that comes from uh, the multiple sources in the witcher the first witcher uh game um there's many like three different like books that you can find mm. like these uh collections of passages from um <clears throat> but uh before laura Dorn died in solitude she gave birth to a daughter who was adopted by the queen of redania and named rhiannon was adopted Sorry, I, I was pulling up the stream. And it, the audio was I on. Heard my and you name. echoed. You echoed. It's weird. Like, it's weird. What? Yeah, I was like, I didn't hit mute fast enough, and it was like, oh, this, Toasty's echoing now. No, go ahead. Keep going. This is a. This is a very. This is going to be a very interesting episode. <laughs> it already is. Um, at the age of seventeen, Rhiannon married Goidemar, the king of Tamaria. Three years after the wedding, the famous Falka Rebellion began, during which the pregnant Rhiannon was accidentally captured. Wait, accidentally? Like, <laughs> that's like, yeah, take all of those, all the people right there, take them with us. And they're like, but wait, oh, we accidentally grabbed one that we shouldn't have. Like, how does that work? I mean, like, <laughs> I can only think of like one, uh, like, example of like accidentally capturing is like, uh, like Avatar The Last Airbender season two when they accidentally kidnap that baby because <laughs> it like okay. falls down in, into the crowd and just like leaves with them. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think this is how it happened, but you know. No, she was pregnant, so she wasn't a baby. But there yeah. was, I guess this is te technically an accidental capturing of two people. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Man, that's rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah in prison she gave birth to twins so kidnapped three, three people. people i'm sorry three people <laughs> <laughs> and subsequently descended into madness at the same time the fierce falca gave birth to a daughter whom she abandoned to wage war leaving the child for the mad prisoner to nurse mm. so the person is in prison taking care of three children that's rough uh soon thereafter the rebellion was suppressed falco was captured and burned at the stake and king goidemar regained his wife with three children hey congratulations man what like what kind of law surprise did you invoke for that my guy what? like just to like oh man i one surprise child back with yeah that's three that's children lot. of surprise three? right there that's my guy too many uh -uh. that's three potential witchers 
<laughs> yeah. Just, um, the first Nilfgaardian invasion began 10 years ago. So this is a moving on to another uh, selection. Uh, the first Nilfgaardian invasion began 10 years ago after crossing the Yoruga River. The Black Ones attacked Sintra. The capital was taken by surprise. Its citizens were slaughtered and the queen committed suicide. Uh, of course, we've heard that before. Uh, Bruga, Sodden, and Samaria stood against Nilfgaard. It seemed that the Nilfgaardian offensive was unstoppable, but the three states managed to halt it at the Battle of Sodden. Altogether, 22 mages fought for the Northern Kingdoms, 14 of whom died. Yet, in the end, it was the mages who negotiated a truth. Truce. Right. And this is that whole truce. period that we see in, in the in Witcher first, first TV Nilfgaard show and War. all of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> After three peaceful years, during a meeting of the Brotherhood of Sorcerers, there occurred a schism in the organization and its members fought each other. As a result, many died and the Brotherhood disbanded. At the same time, the Imperial forces attacked the Northern Kingdoms. The kings were divided, arguing, and couldn't face Nilfgaard on their own. King Fultist signed a truce with the Black Ones, yet it proved short-lived. The Imperial army rushed, pushed forward and was not defeated until the Battle of Brenna. This victory proved pivotal, reminding the feuding rulers that Nilfgaard is not invincible. The kings of the north reunited and faced the Black Ones together. Finally, a peace treaty was signed, changing the balance of power in the world forever. So that's the background stuff, right? That's the, like, mm -hmm. here's how we got where we are now. Mm -hmm. um, and then first, the generals of the first Nilfgaardian War and the second Nilfgaardian War, King Foltis, of course, being the most recent monarch mm -hmm. uh, of Tamaria. Of yeah. And we see a lot of him in the games. We we hear a lot of about him in the books and the show. So he's he's one of the uh, I mean, he's not necessarily the most competent or <laughs> likable. <laughs> but he's one of the one of the monarchs one who of the most shows well known. up. Yeah, he shows yeah. up probably the most. I guess I, I would mm. venture to say of the northern. He's kingdoms. like the only one that like has a name so far. I mean, we know the names of the other ones in the show, mm -hmm. but he's the only one that's actually been like really named, except for like me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um. So to get uh, more specific, uh, for Fultus reign in 1263 during the first. Northern War King Foltis of Temeria sent the Temerian army to Lower Sodden in an attempt to help defend against the invading Nilfgaards. So he sent them to um, that like location where the the mages fought, and they helped to uh, route the enemy at that point. Um, while the Nilfgaardians were defeated, Temeria received many refugees from nearby Sintra after its capital was sacked. After the war, tensions grew with Redania as well as Nilfgaard, and an influx of cheap Nilfgaardian goods started passing through Temeria, damaging the economy, which, of course, is huh. very big deal because they have probably one of the best economies in the Northern Kingdoms. Right. They're being uh, undercut by a neighbor. That's mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. Uh, King Vitsimir II of Redania forced Novigrad into uh, Ias Stapulae, uh, or I think another term for it from what I've, I, I looked up was just stapulae, uh, which is a Latin term, which means a right of staple in old European law. It meant a right or privilege of certain towns of blocking imported merchandise and obligating it to be offered for sale in their own markets. Huh. Uh, so basically we don't want your North guardian stuff. Get it out of here. Right. <clears throat> right. Yeah. They're actually doing like uh, economic, economic warfare, Well, not really warfare, but like, 
playing they're playing that game without being openly at war with each other they're still trying to undermine each other's economies uh so they put that into effect blocking Tamarian and Nilfgaardian goods from entering the city. In response, Foltis issued the law in Vitsima and Gorsvalin in an attempt to restabilize the economy. So he followed suit to try and get his stuff back on track. Um, in early 1267, on the brink of a second Nilfgaardian war, Foltis issued messages to his lords and vassals, instructing them to collect troops for the army and to store supplies and fortify their castles, prepared for the possibility of sieges in the coming conflict. I mean, Nilfgaard wouldn't continue to make future war against the northern kingdoms. That's totally not something they'd be into, right? Yeah, no. There's why would, why would never, they do that? There's never know? anything to worry about there. Yeah, Nilfgaard, <laughs> like, they... They, they definitely like learned from the one time, right? They don't ever invade the Northern Kingdoms again. Sure, sure. <laughs> so uh, moving on to the events of The Witcher, the, first the game. First game, uh, right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the prologue is set at Kermoran, which is in Kaidwin, not Samaria. And the following chapters are all set in or around Vitsima. Uh, you are not free to travel around Tamaria as you wish, as the available locations change with each chapter. There is no way to travel large distances to reach other familiar locations in the game world. Mm -hmm. You're kind of stuck um, with each little zone that you're in during that period of the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and at the top of the map is Vitsima. So if take a, a map look um, to see all kind of like the locations at the top of the map is Vitsima with the outskirts southeast of it, old Vitsima to the southwest, and the swamp cemetery and the swamp further to the south. Uh, Lakeside is just south of the Black Turn Island, almost in the southwest corner of Lake Vitsima. Uh, so just like the whole, and I'm I'm not going to recount the entire events of The Witcher uh, in this episode, but um, yeah, so the the events of The Witcher and what takes place um in that game <clears throat> mm -hmm. yeah and vizima being in tamaria so mm -hmm. in case that uh, wasn't clear to people who were listening like that's right that's in Tamaria. like they go from uh care morin to vizima and then that's where a lot of the events take place yeah uh and then we have a journal entry from that same game uh bit more uh tamaria's population is not exclusively human it also includes dwarfs elves gnomes and dryads uh after the devastating war with nilfgaard many areas are haunted by monsters which have hitherto not constitu constituted a serious threat while the realm's roads are made unsafe by outlaws and common bandits so war leads us into chaos mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um as a result, the witcher profession is once again in demand, though people continue to treat witchers with caution and disdain, often calling them mutants and freaks. I mean... Par for the course. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, the kingdom of Tamaria has silver lilies on a black background as its emblem. The powerful country has gained ever more influence in recent years under the wise rule of King Foltis. The wise rule of King... So, just to if, if you're tuning in this is one of your first episodes listening to we we always talk about the things that happen in the books and then the things that happen in the games and how they might be different this is interesting because who is writing this this little section for the first game the wise rule of king fall test the wise rule of king yes yeah. so i mean it's it's like stuff like this is always done by like propaganda so like mm -hmm. it's probably 
a Sumerian who was like, yeah, I had to write that or else they'd decapitate me. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause I mean, that's, that's how the stuff is always written. Anyways. <laughs> um, across the Pontar river, the kingdom borders Redania to the South and the East is him by the mountain ranges, including Mahakam, the mainstay of dwarves and gnomes which past which lie the lands of Lyria and Adern. The capital of Tamaria is Vitsima, lying on the shore of Lake Vitsima. The second largest city is Maribor. Tamaria mints its own coin, the Oren, the most widespread religions of the cult of Melithala, and the belief in the eternal fire. So as we yeah, kind of all that progress tracks. into yeah. the progression of the eternal flame, Tamaria is home to the headquarters and many command commanders of the order of the flaming rose so this for the most part lines up we've got this weird wise ruler of king foltes part but it, mm -hmm. it matches for the most part we've got the Orin, we've got melitola we have uh the locations the you know the mention of mahakam with the dwarves and the gnomes um and that's part of what makes the game so interesting is that they really do try to be very accurate to the source material mm -hmm. uh and then that's a I mean, of course, being you know, the whole games events happening in like Tamaria, but uh, that's other than that, that is what we have for uh, Tamaria in uh, The Witcher 1. Uh, moving on to The Witcher 2, uh, where the setting does not take place here, um, there's far less. Uh, so we have a uh, journal entry again from uh, more like books that you can find. Um, anyone who wishes to be considered an educated man rather than a common boar should mention Tamaria first, where the Northern kingdoms are concerned. <laughs> is this written by the same person who wrote it the last probably one? Is. <laughs> so big fan of Tamaria, man. Uh -huh. uh, the realm's coat of arms is a black shield dotted with silver floored the Lee um, or the lilies. I feel like this um, needs to be done in like a snooty like accent, like anyone who wishes to be considered I mean, an if you educated that, man <laughs> rather than a common boar should mention Tamaria first when the Northern kingdoms are concerned. Like, <laughs> right? like, like that's, this is the tone of the person who wrote this. Yeah. Uh, and it's capital is Vitsima, where the royal palace erected by King Foltis stands. Mm -hmm. uh, the country extends its protection to several surrounding domains, including the mountainous dwarven homeland of Mahakam. Uh, currently, Tamaria's neighbors include the mighty Redania, the wooded Kaidwin, the Sub and Sidaris, known for the truly pathetic poetry of Valdo Marx. Known for the truly <laughs> pathetic poetry of Valdo Marx. Yes. A troubadour unworthy of the title. <laughs> oh man, this guy's he got it out. Devotes himself to besmirching the work of other superior artists. Oh, <laughs> this guy, this guy got burned by Valdo and is like specifically after. So him. upset. I'm which so is upset. Like, that's that's not even like related to Tamaria, which is great. He's talking right. about a poet from Sidaris. Right, right. So he, it just had so to he of course had to go on a there. tangent to just like go in on this guy. That's awesome. Um, the other places in Tamaria are essential to our story and thus must be mentioned. Or sorry, two other places. <laughs> I can read, I promise. Uh, firstly, north of Itzima, near the white bridge that links the banks of the Pontar, stands the proud fortress and walled town of the Lavaleth family. Secondly, further up the Pontar lies the small river port and trading post of Flotsam. Both will prove important to the beginning of our story. 
Yep. Yeah, and that's The Witcher 2. Again, is a very specific location or set of locations. Um, and there's a set of Temerian armor available to Geralt in The Witcher 2. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I love that there's a, a, a city named Flotsam, or it's like a village, but like Flotsam mm-hmm. and Jetsam, like when a, a, in a shipwreck, you have Flotsam and Jetsam, the things that break off and float in the water. Um, so Flotsam's the name of a city. That's that's pretty cool. So that's that's it for The Witcher 2. What about The Witcher 3? I mean, <laughs> we hear a little bit about him. Um, so. It's like the, almost the entire setting of the game, <laughs> or at least the uh, main game, until you get to Skellige. Yeah. Uh, well, we move on to, like, yeah. Um, then there's the ex- expansion stuff that takes you other places. But, like, for the, yeah. for the first, like, 40 hours of that game, you're in Tamaria. Yeah. But uh, at this point... Um, Tamaria is uh, not really Tamaria anymore. It is then uh, taken over. Uh, Nilfgaard invades and takes the the entirety of Tamaria um, and subjugates its people. So, like yeah. at this point, I mean, like I mentioned with the the beginning, like kind of intro part of uh, the Witcher Three of like you know they talk about. They have like the shield hanging with the Tamarian lilies and they're like, Hey, you should probably take that down before you mm-hmm. upset the black ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you know, the, the tree with all the hanging bodies. Yeah. Yep. That one's so, and, uh, yeah. So they kind of have, and it's not even cause that's like the edge of Tamaria. I have to like, go look at there's a, again. there's like a, a battle but line like, across the map where you can go yeah. from like the Tamarian area to the what's left of the Tamarian area to the Nilfgaardian forces. And yeah. you can and travel like back a and line forth there because you're then we kind of move up to, uh, cause you can move up to like Novigrad and Oxenfurt, which are Redania. Mm-hmm. Um, so in which, uh, or they have extended to or whatever. So, um, yeah, and it's very much marked by that battle line of like, here's the North Guardians, here's Redania, and you kind of sit on that, and then of course, right. with the events of the story, kind of decide uh, right. which way the world or the war ends up. Yeah, and you come across a lot of people who are Tamarian who are very unhappy with the situation, and some of them are still plotting rebellion, and most of them are just depressed and trying to feed their pigs. <laughs> or whatever right like yeah it's it's a it's a rough situation like that the the beginning of that game is just like man everybody's just living in squalor and it's one of the things that i think they did so well with these games is that uh in so many of these types of games where you have this like medieval style world with a bunch of people living in you know like serf style lives lives and yet they still look like pretty healthy modern types of people does that make sense but in the witcher games everybody like the majority of the commoners are like ugly (laughs) or they're like they're like in the witcher 2 so many of the people walking around like so many of the men are wearing those pants that basically look like diapers you know what i'm talking about yeah it's almost like these like grown-up diapers that they're wearing and and maybe that was just a style of you know easy to wrap around your body lower clothing that is common historically that we never see anymore but so many of them are just like 
they're dirty and they're filthy and they've got really bad hair and some of them are just overweight and like and but like regular people look especially in a situation where people don't have health care they don't have good food they don't like you know like they're they're living these hard lives they they just look like they've just been it's been rough you know not everyone's walking around looking like henry cavill yeah and they're uh, even in that sense of like they're walking around with or they're they're like living in a situation of like the transference of like the power that has always been in their lives to the all of a sudden new shift of uh the invaders who are taking over and Mm -hmm. the lack of power because they haven't at this point nilf guardians have not instituted a ruling system right it's just kind of besides a like weird you know, middle thing where they just don't army know what's generals going on. who run stuff essentially from forts yeah at this point yeah yeah it's cool crazy army generals to add yeah yeah you know like the that one guy that the, the first one we meet uh in the first chapter of the game who's just like oh you know we would love to we we just uh you know give us whatever grain you can provide we'll be understanding and then he springs some grain that's not that great and then yeah absolutely like beats the ever-loving crap out of him because of it and it's like understand that's that's rough that's rough yeah 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 man I let's and place there are still places that have to deal with this stuff right now like we're very fortunate that we're not there um but geez well, that's that's most of it for Tamaria right now. Where are we going next time? Um, as usual, to take a bit of a, a deeper dive into some of the bigger figures. Maybe we'll talk about Foltis. The wise King Foltis. The wise King Foltis. <laughs> so wise. Who did so many great things for oh, Tamaria. Yeah. yeah, such a good wise leader. Um, cool. <laughs> well, look forward to that. We're gonna we're gonna hit that next time. Toasty, what do you got what else you got going on that you want to share before we head out? Um so uh just like a thing of like news. It's it's, it's old news at this point, kind of. Um but we we didn't mention it last time, um, but we have shared it around. Uh but the uh, they announced like that remake of the Witcher one. Yeah. So uh, you can, uh, for people that have problems, which is most people, um, problems with like the combat system and things that they did. Um, it's hopefully pretty clunky. A, it's pretty clunky. Yeah. Yeah. And getting a much more friendly, um, I assume console friendly version of the Witcher one. If they um, just made, if they, if they rebuilt the Witcher one in the Witcher three engine, people would love it yeah it'll be fine but for anyone who's like never played the witcher one we can uh look forward to that and it's going to be a lot more available and just friendly or people friendly as far as the the systems Mm -hmm. and mechanics go um there's speculation for witcher 3's uh like new console upgrade still coming by the end of the year that they might be that might be like there were some uh some leaks that came from one of the I don't know, one of the store vendors somewhere with a date sometime in like early December, potentially for putting it on shelves and things. So if you want to replay through The Witcher 3 on your new consoles with upgraded graphics and stuff, that might happen sooner than later. But again, maybe it was just maybe it's just a leak or something fake. Who knows? But they originally said it would come this year. So maybe they're still able to hold to that. Maybe it'll be like 
December 31st. Wasn't it like this year? Wasn't it supposed to be like quarter two though this year? So yeah, we're yeah. way past that. Yeah. CDPR <laughs> is so bad at projecting when things are going to be ready. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as for other stuff, uh, follow us on the Lorecast on Twitter. Um, and then check out the, uh, if you're interested in, in cyberpunk, uh, the cyberpunk Lorecasts that I do with the Genesis, as well as, uh, the actual play cyberpunk red podcast that I'm on, uh, with the, uh, fumbling for an almighty crick game, cyberpunk, cyberpunk apostrophe D, um, man, sometimes recording for that stuff just goes wild. <laughs> like this yes. past weekend, <laughs> I believe it's supposed to record had a lot of delays at the moment we're down ready to get down to business internet goes out it's like oh, well geez. i guess we're not recording today oh jeez so yeah this stuff was a wild so uh on a similar note yesterday we um for the mass effect lorecast sam and i got to interview mark Mir, the voice of male shepherd uh you know the lead in the game for the if you pick mm-hmm. a male character and um we were getting ready. We were just getting set up. Uh, Mark was running a little bit late. He gets on. We only have so much time of his time to, to interview him. And we just get to the point where we're right about ready to record. And then the the fire alarms go off in Sam's building. And he's like, guys, I don't know what's going on. I need to run outside and see if the building's on fire. Turns out somebody bumped like a sprinkler or something and it set it off. Uh, so it was fine. We still had we still got the interview in, but it was <clears throat> it was potentially not going to happen, which was like, oh, God, really? Uh, but it I worked out. It worked out. I mean, like I'm I'm kind of crazy. I've, I've done the situation before where I'm in the middle of something of like, I know uh, a friend I used to have like the their dorm building for their college, like the fire alarms went off like infamously often mm-hmm. for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so most of the time they just they just stayed they're just like they whatever just, yeah they just stopped um, dealing with it. you know and yeah. so like, if i'd have been in that situation and been like interviewing mark mayor and be like mm, guess i'll die because <laughs> i'm in the middle yeah. of it except they would have come through the mic it would have been like super oh, annoying for anybody listening but yeah that's true yeah that's true yeah but then we've got lots of other shows go to robotsradio.net check out all the different shows there's a bunch of stuff there if you're into video games into role-playing games into fandoms of any type then we might have a show for you. Go check it out. But that's what we got. We'll see you guys next time. We're going to talk more about the wise King Foltest. So stay safe out there. And uh, until next time. Stay safe on the path. There you go. Sorry. I kind of jumped on top of it. You, oh, well. You almost, you almost messed it up again. Almost messed, you it, almost up. messed it up. Again. I'm so bad at this. You think I should, I should practice more. All right. Bye, everybody. See you. Thanks for tuning in to the Witcher Lorecast. We'd love to hear about your experiences with the games and the books and the TV series and all your thoughts on everything. Please check out the Robots Radio Discord and follow us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.